What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Afternoon Ask Anything show here on DKPittsburghSports.com. Maybe watching this live on Facebook Live or YouTube or Periscope. But you can also listen to this in podcast form on DK Sports Radio, where you can subscribe anywhere for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, so many different places like Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are hosted. I'm Chris Carter here with Gerard Gilberto. We are taking your questions for the next half hour here on the show. Joe, if you ask a question on Facebook Live, YouTube, or in Periscope, we can we can try to we can try to we'll put your question on the screen, answer it, and get you all your Pittsburgh sports questions. Uh, with the NFL draft out of the way, the Pirates you know, are, are headed. The Pirates are headed to the West Coast. Lots of great stuff here to talk about. So we're excited to break some things down. We have our man Dan Dan from San Francisco, New Internet. Who this? Uh, what's up, Dan? How you doing? Good to see you, Gerard. How you doing, my man? Doing well, Chris. Yeah, always, always fun doing this with you. Same here, same here. Um, so again, ask questions. We will get them on the screen and answer. Of course, Gerard, our Pirates beat writer, and myself, our Pit beat writer, and uh, you know Steelers beat writer, NFL analyst, all these type of things. But um, you know, so we got we got so many different things that we're going to cover here uh, with the NFL draft out of the way. I assume there's going to be a lot of questions on that, and we start with our question, Daniel Matos from Brazil. Who, sa- who, who, who says, hey, Carter, what's your overall grade of the draft? Daniel, let me tell you something, man. I don't do this thing with the day after letter grades. You know why? Because it's pointless. Because you could, we could say, oh, they got this guy. He has a great fit here and great fit there. We don't know if that guy's going to pan out. You know, when the Steelers drafted Ari Burns and Sean Davis, everyone said, hey, these are great picks because these guys were ranked such and such at cornerback and safety. And then it turned out neither of those guys were really the solution long-term for the Steelers or even short-term, really. Um, so uh, you know, I, I usually refrain from giving letter grades the day after the draft. That's just me. I will evaluate and say, this is what I had in my notes and where I felt like they valued. I felt like they they made several very good value picks. Najee Harris was my home run pick for them in the first round. So they knocked that out the park. Um, I was intrigued to see them get Pat Fryermuth. I thought he should have gone earlier in the draft, but that worked out for them. Uh, I thought Kendrick Green was a steal at center because, and I, and I was writing that this guy could be a sneaky pick in the middle rounds. I thought that was good, um, and I liked a lot of their later round picks, especially Quincy Roche in the sixth round when he was supposed to be a third rounder. That's uh, it's really interesting. So again, no overall grades, but just p- pick to pick. When you look at the uh, they got other guys who are on the board, a lot of them made sense. I don't think they really had any place where they sort of stepped over themselves. Uh, to get a position when they needed to get a different guy. So, um, and, and there are, are there things I would have done differently? Sure, I might have gone for a slot cornerback in those middle rounds, but uh, we'll certainly see how this plays out in the coming years. Um, Michael Mitchell asks, who would I compare the center from Illinois to? It's a good question. Um, you know, I kind of compare him to Marquise in the sense that he's mobile and he can get out and block people and he's nasty um, because that's, uh, that, that's, one thing he does, that, that's one thing he does well. He's also a leader on his team. Um, but you know, not Marquise in the sense that he's a, you know, far and away first round center that's going to get drafted. Right. I'm not sure. It's, uh, you know, I, it's tough to compare him to, to different guys, especially when he played guard most of his career. I mean, he played only three games at center. So I, I'm not sure there's an accurate comparison for that. Also, like, I kind of, I lean away from doing comps all the time. I try to look at what their evaluator is. If you want an evaluation on Kendrick green, the way I look at it is that this guy is uh, he's a road grader before anything else. Uh, he kind of overextends himself in being so when he's a run blocker. And I think that's where he runs into problems is that sometimes his form loses, loses it. But there's no doubt this guy knows how to put his, his uh, knows how to put his nose in the fight, knows how to come up with tough victories against uh, against big opponents. 
Um, so that's going to be something that helps the Steelers get back in the run game as soon as he's injected into the starting uh, lineup. Uh, we're going to get to baseball questions here. Brad Richards says, Gerard, what do you think of the Pirates? What do, you, what do you think the Pirates will do to address the lack of outfield talent? Yeah, so uh, we actually got to talk to Ben Sherrington on Saturday, and uh, he wasn't clear about what's going on with Brian Goodwin. That would be a natural thing to plug in there. Uh, Kaya Tom, uh, first couple games ha- had some good at bats, like I said on on Friday. Um, walks and and you know slap a single here or there, and that's exactly what he did, or that, that he fit the profile uh, for most of the weekend. I, I think they're going to roll with Tom for a little bit longer. Uh, you saw the the amount of patience they had with with Alfred and Fowler. Um, Tom Boa is probably not going to clear waivers. Uh, if should he, you know, get uh, DFA'd as well, um, another Rule Five guy, so he he could be gone. Um, yeah, I I would be interested to see what happens with Goodwin. Uh, they have uh, Hunter Owen on the taxi squad for the road trip, um, and you know they're. This weekend, there hasn't been a game where Gonzalez and Evans and Newman have been in the lineup at the same time. So I, I feel like you're going to see Philip Evans back out there and left at some point. Um, yeah, uh, minor league season starting tomorrow. Travis Swaggerty is sort of the name to watch there in Indy. Um, you know, it's it's an important – he's an important guy because he's a first-rounder. You don't want to miss on first-rounders, and uh, he, he's nearing – nearing that spot now and you don't know where he would be in you know the chain of development had there been a minor league season last year so this is obviously a very important time and i i think we're going to see what we what, what they have now if not another waiver claim someone from outside the organization for at least the next week or a little longer very interesting stuff there let's keep it moving dan lavoy asks which nfl team dropped the ball with their NF with their NFL draft. Um, Dan, it's an interesting question because again, it's tough to say, you know, who dropped what considering they have different um, uh, considering everyone has different needs and it's very possible that, you know, some of their guys might actually work out. Um, I kind of, I still look at the Bengals and, Nothing about their draft wows me. I, you know, Jamar Chase, heck of a talent, but they already had heck of, you know, guys who were heck of a talents at the receiver position. They had T. Higgins, who was blown up last year. They got Tyler Boyd. Now you got a third wide receiver when you still don't. I mean, they got Jackson Carmen in the second round. I don't know about you. That's not an offensive tackle that I would that I would have preferred when I had Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater in the first round. Um, so, uh, and they could have had him at fifth overall and then gotten a receiver later. So, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe the Bengals. Uh, you know, I think the Cowboys, I thought they did a great job getting Michael Parsons, but I, none of their other picks really stood out to me. So they'd be another team um, that, 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 that I wasn't too confident about as far as how they picked, um, you know, the, <laughs> the Packers. They got Amari Rodgers in the third round, but I was just like, man, just get get some weapons, please, Packers. Just get some weapons. So those would be teams that jumped off to me. Uh, Brad Richard says, thanks, guys. Love the show. Hey, thanks for being here, Brad. Always appreciate you guys. Oh, my man, CJ says, what up, Carter? CJ, all the way from Houston. Thank you for here for joining us. Um, CJ on DK. Got an important football question for you, too. All right, what's up, Gerard? Hit me. Oh, you're you're saying CJ does. All right. No, I do. Uh, Okay, good. who had the better Kentucky Derby outfit, Rodgers or Brady? Because I did like the comparisons to the bad guy from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. 
Uh, yeah, I, I I gotta go with Rogers. I, I thought I thought his outfit I thought his outfit was uh was a little more at least to my taste. Um, <laughs> but uh, but man, the Kentucky Derby that's a that's a wild place. Um, yes. let's go with a baseball question here. Actually, no wait, I think we asked that one already. My apologies. Um, well, we have one here from Paul Auber says Gerard, don't you think it was a little early for your story on letting the kids play? It's only a three game losing streak. Please don't feed the panic mongers. It's four game losing streak. <laughs> um, yeah, and I said if the losses mount, meaning if this continues, and uh, you know it's important to read down to the third or fourth paragraph of these stories. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like I said, um, Crow and and Oviedo showed something yesterday. That's that's what you actually want to see out of the 2021 season. You know, um, what what is the value in in watching a guy that might not be here? by the end of this season, even, you know, getting all these chances, getting all these innings. So I do understand it's, it's May, right? I was the first one saying, guys, relax. It's April. It's May. It's not that much later in the season, but the point of that yesterday was if this continues, keep going, going, going. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's give the kids a shot. And, uh, you know, just cause yesterday the, the two young guys really actually pitched very well. You know, one bad pitch from Will Crow and that's the game. I hear that. Going back to my man, CJ, he says expectations on Harris's rookie season too soon. Uh, hey, man, like I said, it, it's way too early to determine anything, CJ, but I do expect him to be a valuable piece to the to the offense just with his athleticism, his ability to read holes. Um, what I love about this guy is his vision. You know, he seems to understand how to play running back and how to boost an offense right away. So, honestly, I expect him to come out the gates, uh, you know, making plays for the Steelers may take him a couple of weeks before he finds his footing, but I expect in his rookie season, he's going to have a good year. And as long as the Steelers are healthy, um, I, I think that they could do some damage. We'll also see how their offensive line performs this year with uh, Adrian Clemens, the new offensive line coach. And, you know, who knows, maybe Kendrick Green starting, maybe Dan Moore gets into that starting lineup. We will see a little bit more. Um, Going back to a question here. Oh, no, we asked that one. Uh, oh, Joseph Muth asks, uh, how does the 2018 NFL draft, or the Steelers draft class grade? Um, that's a good question. Um, that's fair because, like I say, it takes time, you know, to go, to go back and look at these things. Um, right now, the 2018 class, still a few things out there. Um, you know, James Washington has kind of fallen to the background because of the other talents that they draft a wide receiver. I don't know if that means that he's a bad pick. Um, but I think it means that they're really good at picking wide receivers and just this is the one that you're kind of looking at as the fourth option of a room with four really, really talented guys. Um, Mason Rudolph is, you know, anytime you take a third round quarterback, it is the biggest stab in the dark. You're like, oh, maybe this works. Maybe it doesn't. We'll find out. Um, this will be the really the real year for Chikuma Okor for really, because uh, if he doesn't come around this year, they're probably going to be done with him and moving on to Dan Moore or investing back in the offensive tackle. Um, but this is going to be the other tells for Okor for um, we really saw him sort of start to step up last year. So um, we'll see how far he goes there. But Terrell Edmonds, um, and I think that's the relevance of this question, is that Terrell Edmonds in his uh, um, in his uh, in his fifth year option was get was declined today. So that that's alarming because you're like, okay, well, obviously they didn't value him that way. But you also look at it; they would have been paying over seventeen million dollars for their two starting safeties combined next year. Maybe that factors into it. Uh, you know, if I graded that 
draft, I'd say a C plus because uh, Terrell Evans has helped. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, when you look at the what he's been able to, to help on tape and where he's able to cover up and some of the plays that he's made, even if they're not interceptions, um, you know, I, I think that Terrell Evans has had value for the Steelers. So there's that. Um, but you know, Jalen Samuels, but once you get past the fourth round or past the third round, really, you're, you're kind of hoping for just a guy, some guys to just catch on. If you're fortunate, you know, Marcus Allen, Jalen Samuels, Joshua Frazier, you know, at least two of those guys are still around, but the big, the big thing is here is what happens with Terrell Edmonds in the future. Do they find a way to keep him, you know, after this season and keep him contributing because if they don't and the core four doesn't work out and Washington doesn't work out, then you'd have to say that this draft year was a bust. But considering that uh, the year before they had TJ Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster and Cam Sutton as their first three picks and all three of those guys are key cogs right now. And then the year after they picked Devin Bush, Deontay Johnson, um, you know, you know, back-to-back picks in the next year, I think that they, uh, they can afford themselves some years where they might miss. Um, my man Brandon Johnson says, "Nice shirt, thank you, sir." Wakanda Forever. They just announced that was the Black Panther two movie coming out. Hence is why I am wearing this shirt. Uh, and he says, "Yes, it is proving time for a core four. I agree entirely. Um, our man Daniel Matos said, "Would I trade Najee Harris for for Carey Price? Are you out of your mind? I wouldn't trade him. No, no, Najee Harris. He is like the second coming of Carey Price. And Carey Price is old. Najee Harris is young. Why would we do such a thing, Daniel Matos? Gosh, come on, man. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. Um, so going back here, we're gonna, uh, there's some fun questions up in here. And Gerard, I want to get your your take on this because you haven't been here for some of our comic book discussions. Uh, All right. D- DK is a huge Green Lantern nut. He loves, and not just Green Lantern, he loves Hal Jordan Green Lantern. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, okay. So uh, we got our man, Michael Mitchell, who says, which is better, Marvel or DC, and why is it DC? <laughs> Michael, the only time the DC is above Marvel is when they're doing animated specials. They have the best animated universe I've ever seen. They knocked out of the park, but their movies suck. Their stories, meh. You, when you got to do a fifth reincarnation of Batman because you can't find the right guy, just you, you need to pass it on. And I'm hoping that because Batman is one of my favorite heroes of all time. But I'm sorry, the MCU is crushing it. They have the, the, the you have more diverse characters in the X-Men and all the other things that Marvel's done. They relate better to, to human interest stories. So I'm going with Marvel all the way right now, even though I do. I am a big DC fan. Just when you put them up against each other right now, Marvel's winning. Where do you stand, Gerard, in these crucial questions here? <laughs> Personally, the MCU is, is much, I put that, much higher than than the dc movies but dc does terrific one-off stuff um watchmen and very good Vendetta. if you ever even read those the books too the comics the graphic novels whatever you want to call them those are fantastic and the christopher nolan batman series i think is the the dark knight series forgive me is the best i think of like any like three movies but the mcu is is just brilliant like that's that's more than it that's going to last the next 20 years, and it's already, what, 12 in? Yeah. And and those movies are just, like, you turn them out. And I, I, I like, just just give it to me. Just give me the stuff. I don't. <laughs> give me sure, the let, stuff. Let the, people, let the people argue over it. I want to watch it. Just let me watch the things. Yeah, yeah. Let me so, watch uh, the things. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Just, oh, he died? He's dead, dead, dead together now? Cool, great. Just show me. I don't care. <laughs> I'm right with you, man. I think that Marvel, especially right now, if, now if you'd asked that question 10 years ago when it was like Iron Man 1 and Captain America 1 and the Dark Knight series was going, yeah, I would have said DC's crushing them right now, but uh, Marvel has reshaped the game, so that's what's going on there. Um, and we touched on that. 
Yeah, yeah, we touched on it, and I'd also say that the one thing, uh, even DK is not messing with DC because they they disc. I guess they took Hal Jordan out of the main universe, and he's upset. Meanwhile, Hal Jordan, not even the best Green Lantern. It's definitely John Stewart. Um, but uh, but all right, let's get back to some questions here. Chris on Friday, this is from Dave Brasicki. Uh, he says, uh, Chris on Friday, someone asked if you would take Frymouth in the second round. You said that you would have went with an offensive line help in the second round because there were other tight ends who are similar and can do better at blocking. In hindsight, do you think Frymouth was a bad selection? Um, I, I mean, it's tough for me to say right now. What I, I was looking at a completely other different players at that time. I thought Dylan Raddins would have worked. I believe that he was uh, available at that time. It's tough to think back. Maybe Samuel Cosme. Uh, but there were a bunch of guys who I thought like, mm, yeah, I could go with this, but Hey, here's the thing that it, it doesn't matter where I see it as far as where Pat from is. I would have preferred Tommy Trumbull. Who's more of a proven blocker than Pat Frymouth. Um, backup tight end was a need in this draft class. And honestly, I thought Frymouth was going to be gone by 55. Um, but you know, I, it, the, Pat Frymouth is the one pick that I'm kind of like, you know, Hey, this kid's obviously talented, but I'm not sure he's exactly what you need right now because you need more help in blocking. So if Pat Frymouth blocks more, it's a great pick. Um, but if he, if he's kind of like Eric Ebron, I mean, sure. It gives you more time at tight end, uh, you know, cause then you can let Ebron go next year, but, uh, like that's where I draw it into it. So I, I wouldn't call it a bad pick, but it's certainly one that I've got my eye on as far as it's, it's, it's a lot more of a question mark than the Najee Harris pick. So, um, just cause they, I think they do need to get back to the idea that their tight ends are blockers who can at least help, you know, set the edge or see, so you, you know, open up the edge for, for running backs to go there. Um, let's keep it going. Uh, David Brzezicki says, I, I, uh, um, I liked the pick. I like the pick. I, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm glad you do. Uh, we have Mirna Jane and Bert, uh, who says, uh, Aloha from Maui. Hey, welcome to the show. We always love getting people from all of them all over. They also say, I'll take Tremble over Pat. I, and that's the thing, like Pat probably graded, did grade higher than, than, than Tommy Tremble as far as where he should have gone. But I felt like if you had been able to get your center in the second round and then, a, and then Tommy Tremble in the third, that would have worked, but I'm, I'm mixing up where Tommy Tremble went. He, I think he did go before the Steelers picked in the third round. I can't remember entirely. So, um, cause trust me, this, this whole thing, it was still a blur, but point being, um, uh, Pat Frymouth is a, a wait and see approach more so than Najee Harris for me, but still the talent that he brings, is going to be interesting. Uh, we got to get uh, David Jamison says, I know Gerard has a background in the restaurant in- industry. Has he started putting French fries on his sandwiches yet? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one. You know, that's uh, – I went to college in Jersey, and obviously I grew up so close to Jersey, and, and Rutgers down New Brunswick there has those those uh, trucks. You get the fat sandwiches. Basically, uh, it's like an appetizer sampler on a piece of Italian bread. So uh, that's, that's nothing new, French fries on the sandwich. I, I do appreciate the style. <laughs> You see, you see, he you know, he's he's all about it. Y'all y'all late, y'all late trying to come after him about this French fry on a sandwich nonsense, please. Um, let's uh, let's go here. I'm gonna back it up a little bit. Jeremy Scott Morrison asks Carter plus or minus 1500 yards from scrimmage for Najee Harris this year, and why? You know, that's an interesting question because you know 1500 yards is an interesting place to be. Um, I'm gonna go over. I'm going to go over 1,500 yards or at least around it. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because in the three years where Le'Veon Bell played the majority of his of his games in the season, because, uh, you know, his, his, his rookie year, he missed three games. His third year in the league, he had his ACL torn after six games. Um, but in the years where he played 12, 15, 
um, and uh, in 16 games. He had over 1,500 yards from scrimmage. He almost he had over 2,000 yards or 2,200 yards in one year, almost 2,000 yards in two other years. Um, so I'm going to gamble and say that if I was to pick an over or under, I'd say over uh, just because I think they're going to find ways to use him and in both the receiving and the rushing game. So um, I'm barring any injury. So I guess that's the thing there. So um, I think it's and the reason is because the Steelers know they need somebody to take the heat off Ben Roethlisberger and to balance the offense. That's why I think he's going to get those those type of yards. So that yeah, there we go. Um, let's see. We have a question from Michael Mitchell. It says, "Why are the Jets so Doctor er, the Jets? Why are the Pirates so Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde? It, um, is it just how young they are?" Yeah, you know, you're asking me this question. That was the, the Freudian slip there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I think youth has a lot to do with it because honestly, Mitch Keller is the most Jekyll and Hyde dude on this team. Um, uh, obviously Trevor Cahill has also had that, you know, sort of, uh, up and down, you know, one good start, one bad start sort of pattern too, but, but it all, it, Keller is, is probably the most important person on this team because he's so talented and he's really needs to figure it out at this level. Um, I, I think that as far as the other guys go, uh, I mean, that's just normal baseball stuff you hear you hear it all the time it's the laziest evaluation of a player ever is that he's streaky everybody in baseball <laughs> streaky if nobody was streaky they'd, they'd hit 80 home runs a year you know <laughs> what i mean most of these guys that hit 40 hit you know probably 25 of them within you know a, a few days or a week of each other but uh no i i think it the, the for this question specifically mitch keller is the guy to focus on here and it all it has everything to do with him just throwing strikes, throwing strikes, uh, pitching with with conviction, meaning not nibbling around edges and, and not trying to be too too cute with his stuff because he does have great stuff. He does have overpowering stuff, and he just needs to take over, be the guy, throw strikes, you know, go right at guys. Um, and and I think that uh, I think that's been the most uh, or the biggest factor in this, you know, look good, look bad thing. Because their other units have been good, the bullpen's mm-hmm. been good. the The defense has been has been there. Uh, you saw what Adam Frazier and Philip Evans did the other night. Um, you know, uh, Kai Tom. People were killing him all weekend, but uh, you know, if you're not big into these stats, there's such a thing as expected batting average, meaning odds are that was going to be a hit. And most of the balls that Tom couldn't get to was get were going to be a hit. Now he played singles into triples sometimes, but that's one thing. But you know, the defense has been there. The bullpen has been there. The starting pitching is is really the um, the unit that needs to step up, and and Keller being you know the most talented person among that group uh, really needs to be the guy to gain a little more consistency. Kirk Weaver says Mitch Glass. Now I know a lot of people are drawing those comparisons with the whole pitch afraid thing that people are are pushing. Um, Gerard, I, you know, just I. I always I always hesitate to jump on a bandwagon when I'm just comparing blandly one player struggles to another player struggles. Is it that com- comparable, or do you think that these are just different guys and maybe there's some similarities, but they're but they're different in their own ways? I think the difference here is that Keller did not have these issues until he got to the majors. Mm. Glasnow is filthy, and you know, uh, and it's a different development not system because he is in the majors now, Mitch, but the development's different because just of how, how they are as, as pitchers. Um, and, 
you've seen what happened in Glasnow after after he left. Seen what happened in Garrett Cole after he left. Mitch Glasnow, better hope not, because Mitch is going to get his chances here. Mitch is going to be, you know, a pirate for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? Glasnow got them something. Like at the time, they thought Archer was going to be a difference maker here. He wasn't, but they thought it was. They needed to, you know, dangle some talent. Mitch has talent, but he's not getting traded anytime soon. Nobody's nobody's taking Mitch Keller back in a trade for a, you know a, a a big time major leaguer. Not that the Pirates would trade for a big time major leaguer now anyway. So that's a huge difference there too. And um, yeah, I, I think the fact that these are all new ish issues for for Keller is is really what separates those guys. Um, Glasnow's always, always sort of been filthy, and he just has to figure it out. I hear that. I hear that. Let's back it up here. We got a question from Sherrod Learn who asks, with most of the members of the offensive line in a few years, of, with only a few years of experience uh, outside of DeCastro, does that help a new O-line coach in OC? Um, I'm not sure if, if that if that's what helps. I think it's their talents themselves. Um, I do think that there are guys like Chikumo Okorafor who have, you know, when they drafted him, I said the first thing I said about his tape is this guy, great footwork, great hand placement, great, you know, he has a lot of the measure, the, the things in pass blocking down, but he doesn't bury anybody in the run game. And you st- that's still the case, you know, heading into his, what, fourth season. So, um, you know, so I look at that, you know, maybe that's something Adrian Clemens, like, you know what, let's, let's turn these guys, these guys into what we need to be a, a, a successful run blocking team. So I think that that's where this comes from right now is just, you know, they need, uh, they, they need guys who are going to buy into their system. And if that's younger guys, Hey, that works for them. Um, and it, and it only works out if these guys stick, right? Because if Kendrick green comes in and doesn't become a cent- the center of the future, then you're scrambling around like, okay, we don't have any answers in the middle of the line. You know, if Kevin Dotson falls up, that's a problem. If none of these tackles stick, then it don't matter how good Adrian Clem is. If these guys don't got it, but I, I do think that they're going to be, they're going to be competing. And I do think this offensive line is going to be piecing things together as the year uh continues we got about four more minutes here so be sure to get your questions here and we'll get them on as fast as as fast as we can um uh let's see we're gonna say uh david cano asks uh, do you think Najee harris will win rookie of the year that's an interesting question um because you know some people might think well he's not a quarterback so no it's like well you know remember rookie of the year really only started um, you know, when, when you go when you go back, you know, and, uh, and and look at the guys who have won it, you know, there's been there's different rookie of the year awards. There's overall rookie of the years uh, like from Pepsi or from the Pro Football Writers of America. Um, but running backs have been in the been in the running for each of those, you know, over the years, uh, you know, for uh, when you go back in uh, for the Pro Football Writers of, of America, you know, sure, Justin Herbert, and Nick Bosa won the last two, but Kareem Hunt won it in 2017 Ezekiel Elliott won in 2016 Todd Gurley won it in 2015 Eddie Lacy won it in 2013 uh then for the Pepsi one uh to you know in 2018 Saquon Barkley won it 2017 Alvin Kamara won it um so it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could I think that one what would have to happen is that Najee Harris comes in and is completely as advertised in churning the Steelers run game going and you see them competing and you know, you know, competing for the division at the end of the year, uh, which, you know, I see some people saying like, oh, it's completely out of the question. They won't be competing for anything. I'm like, 
so why? Who's who's this dominant team in the AFC North? The Ravens and the Browns both lost the very next round of the playoffs, uh, and the Browns lost to Chad Henney. Uh, so um, you know, I'm not I'm not so sure that any of these in these teams that when Pittsburgh has a run game uh, back in the fold, they take over there. So um, uh, so you know, I, I think that he could win Rookie of the Year if this if he's kind of the the charging force for the Steelers getting back into uh, win, winning a playoff game. I think that'd be the biggest thing. Michael Mitchell says, Chris, who should the Penguins sit now that Malcolm is back and why? Well, clearly it's Sidney Crosby because uh, obviously you sick Sidney Crosby. Who needs Sidney Crosby now that you got to get him Malkin? Come on, Michael Mitchell. What are you asking these questions for, man? Get out of here with that. Malkin. Malkin's back, Sid Crosby. Let him rest or whatever, you know. Penguins questions, Corsi, all those things. Um, uh, what's what? Uh, uh, PLG thirty five asks, uh, "What's wrong with DeCastro? Uh, is he thinking of retirement? Uh, he had some back. In, he had a back injury last year. You know, it, it 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 kept him from practicing full out in training camp, which definitely slowed down things for him. It took him a while to get back to the team, and even when he was, he wasn't one hundred percent. You know, if." If he's thinking of retirement, he hasn't said it yet. But you know that's on guys' mind when they've he's been around for as long as he is. I mean, you know he's he's a guy that you know he's been through a lot of wars with the Steelers. I mean, when you go back to when he was drafted in twenty in twenty twelve, you know he this you know he's he's been around a while. Like he was he was drafted two years after Marquise Pouncey, who just retired. So um, is he thinking about retirement? Probably. I mean, he's that he's at that point of his career. But I'm not think saying that that's something that's going to happen right now. Um, I think if he comes back this year and he has more injuries, then you'll you'll probably hear that discussion. But if he comes back this year and is playing well like he did the year before, then I think you may see him be sticking around for even longer. Um, Michael Mitchell appreciates my joking here on Penguins questions. Um, thank you, Michael. Um, David Persigiewicz says, will, will Charrington uh, select the best overall talent at, at the, with the first overall pick, or are they zeroing in on the best starting pitching prospect? Uh, I mean, right now there's – nothing from the team that you know indicates what direction they're leaning but there might not be a difference between best overall talent and best pitching um you know lighter lighter had a tough weekend um and and those shortstop prospects are you know obviously they've done nothing to you know make themselves look any worse um so you know they're they're still and they're still teenagers playing high school baseball but um yeah i i don't I don't think that they're going to be like, like the way this question is right. I don't think there's going to be a draft for a position like specific reason. I, you know, I don't think that, uh, you know, lighter rocker being a pitcher is a separator uh, from Lawler or mayor being shortstop. Um, honestly, like, like I said, there's, there's shortstops in the system. You got O'Neill Cruz is that they're insisting is going to stay there. Uh, lie over Pagaro. Um, you know, you want Bay. I don't think those guys are, and I and I really like Leo Vero. I don't think those guys are good enough for them to say, "Oh no, we're good at shortstop. We don't need another shortstop." You can never have too many shortstops. That said, you could also never have too much starting pitching. And uh, no, I don't. I don't think that there's going to be a a position based decision uh, in this draft. I think they're just gonna you know, decide who they like and, and go with it. And that's the beauty of going one, one, you know, you don't have to rely on other teams and, and see where the cards fall. You, you, you know, the, the balls and in, in that been in their court for a few months now. And luckily they have all the time in the world to figure this out. And 
the draft is not close. It's not next month. It's two months now. So, you know, things are a little different. There it is. Thanks so much for everyone's questions. We really appreciate you here on the Afternoon Ask Anything show on DKPittsburghSports.com. And if you're listening on the podcast form via DK Sports Radio, if you miss any questions, you'll see the, you'll see our answers posted there. Uh, so check us out on our podcast platform, anywhere podcasts are hosted. Gerard, thanks so much for doing this, man. Uh, this was a lot of fun, as always. We'll be back in the ears tomorrow. We got myself, D- Dale Lolly, and Dave Molinari all doing the Tuesday afternoon, a- afternoon Ask Anything. Be sure to join us then. It will be a lot of fun.